has lived there probably longer than I've been alive, and, and he built the neighborhood. His name is Mr. Benton, and uh, he gets around good. He lives by himself, and uh, his kids check on him from time to time. Well, Thursday, uh, in the middle of the day, a fire truck and an ambulance drove up in front of his house, which we're right across the street, so that means they were right in front of our house, and that caused a great deal of excitement in the Bunch household because the kids, you know, what's the ambulance doing? What's the fire truck doing? Well, we didn't really know. We just kind of hoping for the best. So we, we said, let's just pray for Mr. Benton. Let's pray that it'll be okay. Pray that God will take care of him. Well, Farrah got him through that. And then Thursday night, I was home with him, and the fire truck came back out about 8.30 Thursday night and parked right in front of our house. They were taking care of Mr. Benton. And here again, we have, you know, the kids are excited. What's going on? Elena thought, she said maybe he fell out of a tree and hit his head. So I don't know what he was doing in a tree. But uh, So just, and I was like, guys, I, I know, but let's just pray for him. Let's pray that God just touches Mr. Benton and he'll be okay. So the next morning, Fair is out in the yard with him. And Mr. Benton's out in the yard walking around. Thank God he's okay. And just as loud as he possibly could muster, Dawson says, look, Mom, Mr. Benton survived. <laughs> so I guess it was a praise report, but Mr. Benton survived. So thank God. And if he didn't know it, Dawson let him know. So I'm thankful that we've all survived another Sunday. Here we are this morning. And I want to talk to you from a verse of Scripture today. It's, um, it's one of my favorites. And to me, there's just so much packed into this one verse. It's from the Apostle Paul, and I feel like that uh, that you cannot exhaust it. We certainly won't exhaust it today, but I want to just, just unpack it a little bit and talk about it and let you know some of the thoughts that I have about it. It's a, it's a great verse for us to just guide our lives by, and it's found in Philippians chapter 3, and it's, it's actually two verses, 13 through 14. Paul says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now, I feel certain that everybody in this room has heard this verse before. Many of you, no doubt, have committed it to memory. It's one of my favorite verses. It's a, it's a great study, and we'll talk about that today. There's a, there's a story that's told about the great Spanish explorer, Hernando Cortez. He conquered a lot of land. He, he sailed a lot of missions with, for, the, uh, for the Spanish government. And back in 1519, he went on an expedition with his men. And uh, they, the seas got rough, got struck by a storm. Things weren't going well at all. And Cortez uh, and his men found themselves having to veer off course and park it at an island uh, to weather the storm. And things did not go well on the island. In fact, it was almost worse on the island than it was in the ship on the storm-tossed sea. Uh, they, they had problems with diseases and problems with the natives and problems with uh, the different wildlife, animals, insects. Things were just not going well. And one night late, Cortez's men, the, the men that were selling the ship, hatched a plan and launched a plan to kill Cortez in the night and get back in the ship's and keep sailing. Cortez and his great leadership understood that they did not need to do that. They needed to wait where they were, weather the storm, and then keep going on the mission. So he gave his closest confidants and his men, his inner circle, he gave them this command. He said, I want you to go and burn the ships so that nobody can leave this place 
until the weather is right and the time is right. And so they did. They burned the ships so that his men could not perform that mutiny. Essentially, what Cortez was saying was, we've come this far, we've made it this far, and we're not going to look back. And that really, to me, is the is the sum capsule, the idea that the Apostle Paul is trying to get across in this scripture. That is, we've come too far on our journey to this point. We cannot look back. We cannot go back. And spiritually, we must burn the ships. And I want to encourage somebody this morning that whatever you're going through today, there may be a situation in your life, maybe an answer that you're seeking for, maybe a, a miracle that you're needing, a prayer that has not yet to be answered. Maybe, maybe you're, you're being tempted to give up and to cash in, throw in the towel. I want to tell you today that it is still worth pressing on. It's still worth moving forward. You've come too far in your walk with God. You've, you've got too many miles behind you today to go back now. I want to read to you a translation of this passage from a guy as a theologian. I believe you say his name West. It's W-U-E-S-T. And I, I call it West. I'm not sure how you say his name. He was a theologian that lived over 100 years ago. But I love his translation. He, he translates this passage like this. He says, I am not counting myself yet as one who has in an absolute and complete way laid hold of that for which I have been laid hold of by Christ. But one thing, but one thing, I, in fact, am forgetting completely the things that are behind, and I'm stretching forward to the things that are in front. I'm bearing down on the goal. I am pursuing on for the prize of the call from above of God, which is in Christ Jesus. So I want to take these statements one at a time. First, he says, he says, one thing I do, one thing, one thing. You know, we live in a, in a day, we live in a time where our lives are so cluttered and encumbered about with so many things. We're busy people, and uh, we're busy about any number of things. You know that. You don't need me to tell you, but work, family, home, church, uh, you know, everything just seems to come at us at such a fast and rapid pace in life. And there's a million to-do lists. And if you've got an iPhone, there's apps on your iPhone with to-do lists and things that must be done. And, and we're so busy, but somehow Paul is challenging us in this scripture. He says, the one thing I do, the one thing that I put the most importance on, the one thing that is preeminent in my life, and that is the pressing forward to the call that is in Christ Jesus. It's interesting to me that we, uh, we live in a day now where pro medical professionals especially, but you see it in many different, uh, in many different uh, professions, but primarily, primarily medical, they, they specialize. You go to a specialist. You know, way back when, uh, you, you know, you just went to a jack-of-all-trades, you know, and, and the, the doctor that delivered your babies would give you something for the flu and those sorts of things. But now... Medicine is a highly specialized art and science and profession. I believe that that's what the Apostle, Apostle Paul is talking about here, that our Christian walk, our day-to-day -day walk with God must be a highly specialized endeavor. It must be the razor-sharp focus of our lives. There's a great text, a great story found in Luke chapter 10, 
verses 38 through 42, and, and we see a great example of this. This is the, the famous story of Mary and Martha. And it says in Luke chapter 10, verse 38, it says, Now it came to pass as they went and entered into a certain village, a certain woman named Martha received him, that is Jesus, into her house. She had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about by much serving and came to him and said, Lord, do you not even care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to, that she should help me. And Jesus answered her and said, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary has chosen that good part which shall not be, a take, shall not be taken away from her. Martha anxious, troubled, Mary sitting, taking time out of her schedule to sit at the feet of Jesus. She heard every word he said. She was there in his presence. She realized the benefit of focusing and concentrating on that one thing. So this morning, our challenge is, our, our takeaway from this point is that we should do everything necessary, whatever it is, you know your life, you know your schedule, you know your to-do list. Mine's different than yours, yours is different than your neighbor's. But somewhere in that schedule, somewhere in that routine, we've got to leave time to be focused on the most important thing, and that's reaching the goal. That's reaching the mark of the prize of the high calling of Christ Jesus. Lately, for years, my, my routine has been to get up in the morning and pray before, before work and and lately, I've just been extra passionate about that, and I'll, I'll comment on that a little bit later in the service, but I've become extra careful to preserve that and make sure that I don't oversleep or let that get by me or get so busy that, uh, that I, I forget to do it. I, that time in the morning with, with Jesus just sets the pace for the day, and you may be a night owl, and that's okay. My wife, uh, Ferris, she just, you know, she likes to do her praying and Bible study at night, while the family's asleep late at night, that she's a night owl. I'm an early bird. So uh, whatever works for you, but find that time in your day to focus in on your relationship with God. And then the writer, Paul, he says, forgetting those things which are behind. Forgetting those things which are behind. And, and West, our, our theologian, he puts it like this. He says, it's like a Greek runner back in the Olympics that completely forgets his opponent's that he's leading in the race. So the, opponent, the, the runner is, is just running for all he's worth in the race. His opponents are behind him. He's winning. He's ahead. And it's in that spirit, it's in that idea that Paul makes this statement, forgetting those things which are behind, running the race, running uh, with confidence that you are going to hit the finish line. You're going to get where you're going. Don't dwell on the past. Don't think about the past. But completely forgetting those things which are behind. <clears throat> now, we all have things that we have to forget. We all have things that we have to leave behind. And, it, you know, it, any number of hurts, any number of bruises and scars and calluses and times where we were done wrong, wounds suffered at the hand of a brother or a sister, things that, that would, would distract us from our course. Paul says, I'm forgetting all that. I'm forgetting all of that. And I'm focused on winning the race. Then he says, reaching forth unto those things which are before. Reaching forth unto those things which are before. And again, West draws the analogy of that runner. And he says, the eye 
outstrips and draws onward the hand and the hand the foot. So it's that runner. He's looking at the prize. He's looking at what's before him, and, and he's looking for the goal, and it compels him to keep running, even in the current trial. It's a fixation. It's a focus. It's a razor-sharp drive and desire with the eye on the goal that I am not going to let anything deter me. In my research for the uh, service this morning that we'll be doing, I came across a story of a, of a woman. She's 29 years old. Her name is Lori Jones. She goes by the nickname of Lolo Jones, and she's very similar to, to Tim Tebow in that she's made a stand uh, for her Christian faith. She's made a stand for purity, and what I, I, I'd never heard of her. I didn't know anything about her, but she's trying out for the 2012 Olympics, uh, and she's hoping to, to get on the Olympic team in London here in just a few weeks, and um, she was an 11-time All-American from LSU, and uh, what it, to me was interesting about her story, besides the stand that she's taken uh, for her Christian faith and very outspoken about her lifestyle, uh, what was interesting to me is that uh, at one point as a little girl, her, her mom, she lived with her mom, dad was gone, they moved a lot, and at one point her mom was wanting to move again to another state, and she told her mom, she said, I am not going with you because they don't have a track. She was focused even at an early age on her goal of being an Olympic runner. She did not qualify for the 2008 Olympics. And so because of her age, because she, her career at LSU was over, her running coach told her when she didn't qualify, she sat her down and just began to talk to her about possibly retiring, possibly some other career avenues that she could go on, and probably that it was really time for her to hang it up and to retire and Lori Jones responded. She said, I will see you at practice in the morning. That is a focus. That is what I'm talking about. If they can do it, and I'll talk about this in a minute, but they do it for a corruptible crown. They do it for an earthly reward. How much more can we get a razor-sharp focus on that which is before? Jesus said, or the scripture says of Jesus, that for the glory that was set before him, he despised, or he endured the cross, despising the shame. He had a goal, and it was that goal that prepared him through the awful, uh, just horrific idea and circumstance that was the cross for the glory set before him. And then he goes on, he says, I will press, I will pursue, is one way that could be interpreted. I will pursue the mark or the target. He talks about a very intentional pressing or pursuing. And uh, Wes talks about it like this. He says, uh, he says it could be translated, I will press toward even while being pressed down. So even in your current situation, even in your current trial, you can still press toward even while being pressed down. It rem reminds me of the scripture in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. It says, good measure, Jesus talking, good measure, pressed down and shaken together. And running over will God give to you. So a lot of times when we're pressed, we're, we feel like the pressure of life is too much. And it's just, it's putting us in that crucible and it's grinding our life. And it feels like it's grinding the life out of us. Sometimes that happens just because God is trying to pack so much destiny and promise and passion into your life that it just takes a pressing. Did you know that the word Gethsemane where Jesus spent that last night before 
Crucifixion in prayer is simply means a place of an olive press. It's just simply a pressing. Jesus went through that pressing. That's why he sweated, as it were, great drops of blood, because something was being birthed inside of him. But it took that process of pressing. We've got to press toward even when pressed down. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 10 says, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed, always bearing about in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. So it's a a pressing on, even when pressing down. Uh, John Wesley, the great revivalist uh, from a century or two ago, wrote in his journals, he went and preached in a place, and he wrote in his journal, dated it, said, today I preached and nobody came. Second day, he dated it. I preached, nobody came. And that went on for over a week. And then you look in his journal, he said, I preached, a crowd gathered, and many people received the Holy Ghost. Great revival was poured out. He pressed on. He pressed on. He kept doing what he knew to do, even though he was not getting the results he wanted at the beginning. There is something to be said for trying, for pressing, for keeping on keeping on. I'll tell this story. I didn't have it in my notes, but I just was inspired. I'm trying to review it real quick in my head. I think you guys will appreciate it. I I was not aware of this. I told it to the students the other day because I was so impressed. Brother Merrill told me that years ago, years ago in Baker Church, Brother Alexander came to church one day and uh, he, um, he was in a lot of pain. He had had a knee surgery. I don't know if it had been replaced or just worked on, but either way, he was in a lot of pain. And he sat back there, and he told Merrill back then the sound booth was kind of over in the corner. And Merrill sat back there and took care of the sound, Brother Merrill. And uh, he said, if, he said, if I get up and walk out, don't worry. He said, I'm just, I'm just going to walk off the pain, and, and I'll be right back. And so somewhere halfway through the sermon, Brother Alexander got up, walked out, and he didn't come back for a while. And, uh, and Brother Merrill got concerned about him and went and checked on him. And he said when he walked in, Brother Alexander was leaned up against the wall, and he said big tears were coming out of his eyes. He was in so much pain, and, and he was trying to just kind of nurse that, that knee a little bit. And, and he was just, just clear. He said, it, Brother Merrill said he was pale and just clearly in a lot of pain. And, and Brother Merrill said, Brother Alexander, let me, let me help you to your car. You know, you want me to drive you home. Can we, can we do something for you? And, and Brother Alexander said, no. He said, I'll be okay. And a few minutes later, he came back in and set out the rest of the service and then went home. And that struck me because, see, my generation, and in working with these students, I see it too, but I, I take responsibility. I'm the same way. We quit so easily. I mean, we get a, we get a sniffle and we can't come to church, you know. And, and, and I'm, again, I'm talking about myself. You know, the stump your toe and you can't, you can't do anything. Got to call in sick to work. And when I hear stories about people like that, like Brother Alexander, it challenges me that not, not just in something like coming to church, but in life. Just because something doesn't work the first time, you got to keep trying. We quit too easily. We give up too easily. Sometimes you just got to keep knocking on the door and you got to keep pushing. You got to keep pressing until it opens. And so my challenge today for me and the challenge for you is that we must continue to pursue through the present circumstance, even when it seems like we're not there yet. 
and then he says, he, you know, what is all this pressing? What is all this pushing? What is all this running? What are we trying to obtain? He calls it the prize. Now, now the prize, he, I want to break that down for you today. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 26, he says this. He says, know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one, one receiveth the prize. So run that you may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now, they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. So there is a prize worth fighting for, he says. There is something that we're going for, and it's not a corruptible crown. It's not just to get our name in the paper, and it's not just to say we won an Olympic medal or we won a championship, but this is an eternal prize that we will get one day when we stand before God and he says, well done. He takes out of here, out of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he, he takes a boxing analogy to me. That's, that's what it sounds like to me. He says, I fight not as one that beateth the air. So he's, he said, this is not just shadow boxing. This is not just warm-ups. It's not just practice. But this is the match. This is the real thing. I'm in a fight, a struggle for life. I'm in a struggle for my spiritual existence. I've got to fight this thing out. There's a great story that, that Joe Lewis told. He's a great boxer from days gone by. You probably have heard of Joe Lewis. And uh, one time he went into a, a round, or he went into a match, and uh, he, he duked it out with some guy, and, and they just went on and on and on, and neither opponent could get the best of the other. You know, Joe would, would knock him down, and they'd start the count, but the guy would get back up, and then the other guy would knock Joe down, and it's same thing. And they went on, and they went on, and they went on, and way into extra rounds or however that works, that match went on and on until finally, after long last, Joe Lewis was able to win the match and get the guy down for the count. And so they asked him afterwards, they said, they said, Joe, how did you win? What was the secret? What did you do to best your opponent? Clearly such a close match. And he said it was real easy. He said, I just got up one more time than he did. And really, a lot of times, that's all that it takes. It's just getting up one more time. Instead of laying down for the count and, and, and letting the, the enemy roll over us and take full advantage, sometimes we just got to get back up one more time. Give ourselves a big kick in the spiritual pants and just keep moving and just get back up and keep fighting. And then he defines, lastly, he defines what that prize is. He says it's the prize of the high calling of God. In Christ Jesus, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. West puts it this way. He says, it's a calling which is from heaven and to heaven to which the apostle must ever give heed. And likewise, we must ever give heed. You understand this morning that we, of course, have not arrived. We have not made it to the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. It's a pursuit. The apostle didn't feel like he had made it. It's a pursuit. It's a place that we continue to go, continue to strive for. We have a mission. We have a mandate to continue going higher. That is the life of a Christian. And I dare say this morning that really, to me, as long as you're making progress, you're making progress. You know, sometimes we look for the big 
step and the, the, the noticeable growth. And we want to just wake up one day and boom, there we are, we've made it. It doesn't usually happen like that. Usually it's just a small step at a time. It's one step at a time. I see this all the time in my children. You know, as they grow, you look back over at their picture and when they were a baby and you look at them now and how they've grown, how they've changed. Well, you don't notice just one day wake up and you just see all this change, but it's a gradual process, slowly, slowly, slowly. Dawson is getting a, a he lost a tooth and that new tooth is, is coming in and I told him, I, he said, how big is it going to be? I said, it's going to be huge. I said, it's, it's, your, it's your adult tooth, so it's going to be giant. And he kind of looked at me, and I said, well, don't worry. I said, the rest of your face will grow into it. And so, but that's how it is, is, is one day, one day he'll wake up, and he'll have a head full of adult teeth, and he'll be a, an adult. That's that daily, just daily growth, just one step at a time, one movement at a time. I want to conclude with this, little, with this little analogy, this little story. Paul's talking here. He's talking about living a life with our eyes on the goal, with our eyes on the prize, uh, shooting for something bigger and beyond ourselves. And I want to emphasize that as I wrap this up. And, of course, you you know, last time I taught, I, I taught 30 minutes or so, but I'll make up for it in the second service. I got about five hours worth of sermon for later. So, But we talk to the students about this all the time uh, upstairs and every chance we get. But... And you, you see, it, it, it's something I'm very, very passionate about because you, you got to fight it in your own life, too. But we're, we're just so bombarded with so much, you know, technology and media and culture and advertising, all this stuff. And the, the culture, the, the media, none of that is driving us any further to our goal. None of it's propelling us to our to our destiny. I'll explain what I mean about about that in just a second. But I had a conversation with a guy at work here while back. And we were talking about finances, talking about money, and uh, looking. I was looking through some of the Dave Ramsey material and just how to how to you know handle your finances better and more like God wants you to, and these sorts of things. And this guy is a just a freak when it comes to finances. I, I actually liked it; found it very inspiring, but. He said, my dad never charged anything. He paid cash. He taught me to pay cash. And, man, I was just loving that. I mean, that's, that's the name of the game from what I'm learning and understanding here. And really the whole credit deal is a lie, you know, just they're trying to get us to give more credit. And that's why the economy's in the shape it's in. The whole deal, you, you've heard all that. Well, he made a statement, though. He said, you know, and this guy's not a Christian, but he just said, you know, he said, I found that if you just take, what society and culture says, and do the direct opposite, you'll be in good shape. <laughs> and I, I began to think about that. I was like, you know, he's actually right. I mean, you could take any subject, and he's right. Take take uh, uh, our, our diets, you know. It's, there's billboards everywhere, you know, fast food. We know it's bad for us, but we eat it anyway. You know, all, all these things, culture, bottom line, they just want your money. That's That's what it all comes down to right there. But it, if you do the opposite of what culture says, you'll be okay, and that's so true. But it's really true spiritually, okay? And so everybody in this room today has a goal. You have a you want to get to heaven. You want your family to get to heaven. You want to be as spiritually uh, uh, you want to be as spiritually successful as you can be. But every day there's things that are chipping away at my family and at my life and at your family and your life, trying to drag you down, trying to send you in the opposite direction. All right. So how then 
do we live in the light of eternity? Well, there's this great story, great analogy, and um, and I wanted to I wanted to bring this rope today, and I just absolutely had so many to do lists that I didn't make it to the store. But I want you to imagine just a, a 300, 500 foot rope, okay? A rope that you could just wrap around this auditorium, okay? Really, since we're using our imaginations, just re- just imagine that the rope goes on forever, all right? And then imagine if I was holding that rope right here for you to see, I want you to imagine just the tip of that rope, about about that much, if I had painted that, say, red or, or black, just a color that, that would stand out and you could see uh, on the end of that rope. And and what happens is is that we live, we tend to live, I should say culture lives, society teaches us to live for that one little piece of that rope. So we say things like, you know, I'm going to work real hard, I'm going to save up my money, I'm going to plan, and I'm going to I'm going to live this piece of my life in such a way so that I can enjoy this other little piece of my life, and that's the extent of the black or the red length of rope. And then when we die, and we go on into eternity, we have all of the other length of rope to live forever and ever and ever. And so how backwards and upside down is it that we live our lives and we plan and we worry and we, we, we scheme and we do all these things for that one little piece of rope? That's, that's what the world does. That's what the society does. And we forget all that eternity that when we cross over, how much money we've had in the bank, how many years we enjoyed our retirement, what, you know, what we accomplished in the job and in the career. None of that is going to matter anymore, but all those years of eternity will matter. I want to live my life for eternity. I want to set my eyes on a goal, on a prize, on a higher calling, and lift my vision above all of the distractions of this world above all of the things that this world would try to drag me down with and keep a singular, razor-sharp focus on eternity. Praise God. Let's pray together this morning. Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for your divine word. And I praise you that, Lord, every time we open up the word, it always, always challenges us, God, in ways that we cannot imagine, Lord. And it brings us back to a true center. It brings us back to a grounding point, God, where we can get our perspective and we can get an understanding, Lord, of what this thing really is all about. So, God, let your word find its mark in our lives today. Let your word find a place to be planted in our lives and let it bring fruit in our lives, God. Let us leave this place today stronger and more encouraged than ever to fight, God, not to shadow box, not to practice, but to go to war for our families and for our lives and to set our eyes on the prize. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. All right, well, I'm done.